Obnoxious yuppie Paul E. dangerously vowed to seize control of World Championship Wrestling. And the way to bankrupt this whole company is to take away your heroes. And I'm starting right at the top with Sting. To achieve his goal, he assembled a team of the best of the worst in WCW. And tonight, the evil empire of the Dangerous Alliance meets his match against wrestling's power elite, led by Sting. I tell you right now that my blood is boiling. When World Championship Wrestling presents Clash of the Champions. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Well, the road to WrestleMania has begun, Patrick Young. We watched the Rumble last weekend. I hate to say I told you so, but guess what? I told you so. Ronda no. Rousey was at the Rumble. Well, this is revisionist history because you said she would be entering the I Rumble did say, and winning. Okay, I did say she was going to win the first all-female Royal Rumble. She did not enter the all-female Royal Rumble. No, she had no interest in that. Instead, she wanted to wear Roddy Piper's jacket and point at the WrestleMania side. Yes, and that... Say nothing. That was... I got verification from Colton. That it was, yeah, it his was, old jacket. It was Roddy's jacket that he, uh, he had flown out there to let Ronda wear as she made her debut. So. Now, if it wasn't his jacket, I was going to say at the time, that's that jacket really doesn't fit her very well. It no. kind of... Uh, it's a little big. It overtakes her quite a bit. Yeah, yeah big shoulders on yeah. that thing. And then, of course, I was correct in my predictions of the Rumble winners. You, so. man, I had Finn Balor. Balor took me down to the final three. So it's I can't true. complain. You had Nakamura. Nakamura wins. So... Well, what was upsetting about that Finn Balor thing was, so he has that great run in the Rumble that night, and you think, okay, well, maybe they're going to start doing some stuff with that guy, because usually when you have the Iron Man spot, right. that means you're going places. But then the Elimination Chamber qualifications happened on Monday night, and they had Cena beat Balor, so he's not going to be in the world title match at the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Of all the people yeah. to beat the next night, and it's Finn, just like what happened after he beat AJ Styles at that pay per view. The very next night, he lost to Kane. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with. I, I don't get it. I th- I thought they were getting ready to ride a push on him, and he was going to really go places. He might be getting ready though to change brands because I would say after WrestleMania, I expect them to do another superstar shakeup and move people around and. He oh, could benefit yeah. from a trip to SmackDown, yeah. I believe. The second you always have the Monday after WrestleMania, but the second Monday after WrestleMania, the in the middle of April, that will be your your draft. I guarantee you, you'll have a a brand shakeup, and we'll get all new stars on all new different shows, and we'll have to go from there. But I personally feel like the women's Royal Rumble didn't deliver like i was expecting really now why why is why is that we talked about this as we were watching it i was wanting more of the upcoming stars more of you know i did think they were a little too heavy they were on the returning heavy they were a little heavy i mean i was glad to see lita and i was glad to see trish i was molly holly who swerved us and told us she wasn't going to be there i was telling y'all all all along molly was going to be there but you didn't believe me uh I like seeing the ones that could actually wrestle. But when you started throwing in Kelly Kelly, yeah, Tori Wilson, and you start throwing in Michelle McCool, Mrs. Taker, Vicky so, Guerrero, Vicky Guerrero, it, it kind of got Michelle McCool got the Taker spot in the dude, Rumble. Man, 
Did she ever? She I mean, eliminated. Of all the people to give that to, like, yeah. you would think, is she, like, when she started throwing everyone out, I was like, is she coming back full time? Like, right. I mean. Well, she looked in great shape. Yeah, she's, every competitor was in great shape. There was nobody that I looked at and said, man, they've really fallen apart. But, I know? mean, I was waiting for Stacy Keebler. At this point in time, as oh, much as she, they had brought back, I was like, shit, she's going to come back too. She's never. She's never looking back at wrestling. Once, Probably not. Once she started dating George Clooney, it was no. It was all. It it's was all downhill. Yeah. yeah, I did think it was a little too legends heavy, but being the first one, you want to really stack this one with legends. But yeah. I would have liked to have seen more NXT talent and That's, more. See, that was me. I kind of would like to have saw a little bit more of, or maybe even a Rumble debut. Someone that they had just signed and you know has not debuted on either NXT or WWE. Just yeah. like, or maybe it's like. Maybe Emma walks back in. Well, I would you know, like something to have seen like that. Victoria make her comeback. Yeah, or Ivory. You know, I, I just feel like they missed the bar by going for the women's revolution instead of going with women that could actually wrestle. Which they had a few in there. They killed it by instead of giving that spot to an Ivory or Victoria or somebody like that that can wrestle. They gave it to Kelly Kelly. And I know you love Kelly Kelly, don't get me wrong, but let's be honest. She's only good to look at on the eyes. She, she is not good to watch in wrestling Fuzzy ring. sweater thing. Yes. I mean, it was... Uh, it was pretty rough to watch. Tori's even said in the past, you know, she's not really a great wrestler. I mean, they, yeah. they, they understand, but like I said, you need to stack it with legends because this is the first one. Right. And you want, that, you want that archival footage, you know. Uh, the one thing that I really thought dragged the women's rumble down was Stephanie on commentary. She was awful. Uh, that was bad, man. She was like, she would give you like one fact about the wrestler. Yeah. Or then just say some absurd things like, Becky's outfit is said to be inspired by the future. Or something just totally some weird. stupid, yeah. It made no sense. And then when Ronda came out, she showed no surprise or no react. Imagine if Vince- She acts like she's, okay, here's the deal. She acted like she was pissed off, okay, to see Ronda. You know why? Because we're going to fucking get Ronda well, Rousey the rumor against match. Yeah. Stephanie McMahon. It's the follow-up from the WrestleMania 31 spot with uh, Rock and Ronda taking on Triple H. And Stephanie is is what they want if they can get the Rock. Well, this mixed tag this mixed tag challenge that they've been doing on Facebook Live every week. That might lead up into that. I don't think so. It's been tanking. It's been doing it's, terrible. Oh, it's it's been it's shit. Week I completely three, hate it. Week three had only sixty thousand live viewers. Yeah, that's I, really bad. I hate it. I, it's really that bad. Well, and it's just a it's an exhibition match. Yeah, you know it's it's not. It doesn't feed into anything, and they don't acknowledge it on Raw or SmackDown afterwards. So why does it even? Yeah, what are we a, doing? It's a house show match that you're getting to. Watch yeah, we get on Facebook. Ronda and The Rock share the same agent, so it's it's very likely that they could get The Rock for WrestleMania. But I imagine if they don't, the second choice would be Kurt Angle and Ronda taking on Triple H and like, Stephanie like because because if you think back to Survivor Series, that yeah. finish to the match where Triple H starts three potential feuds: one with Strowman, one with Angle. And one was Shane. If they go with the match with The Rock, yeah. it means that went nowhere. That right. was completely wasted. Right. So I think that that's the direction they would go in is with Angle, the Olympic champ and the MMA champ together taking on the, I, the power couple. I think that would sell. WrestleMania always does just fine because 
WrestleMania isn't built upon the quality of the match. It's built on the moments. But what, Smiles on faces, Patrick. Oh, Smiles. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of that On shit. faces. I'm tired of that But shit. they do have a dream match in the Wrestle Kingdom 10 rematch between AJ Styles and Nakamura, so they will have a match for hardcore in-ring if, fans. If you have not seen their Wrestle Kingdom match from two years ago, fans, look it up on YouTube. Find it on the internet. Watch it. It's about 35 minutes long. But it is, without a doubt, the best technically sound wrestling match I've seen in 10 years. Yeah, well, speaking of that, that match from NXT TakeOver between Johnny Gargano taking on Cian almost got five stars from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. We, so. I had I don't watch NXT. We yeah. have, we've covered that. Um, but, I don't watch the weekly show. But you, you showed it to me as we were waiting for Rumble. That match was extended. I mean, it was ecstatic. It yeah, was it right was one of there. the best WWE matches that, yeah. that they've had in years. But yeah, so there is going to be at least one match on the WrestleMania card that you can actually sit back and say, well, this is going to be good. Right. You know, that it's Brock and Roman had a good match before the Seth Rollins cash in that year. I mean, it was a hard hitting match. They right. were still doing three moves of doom over and over again. But, right. uh, you, you know, there's always a question of when Brock knows he's got a job out, like how much effort is he going to put into it? He was not happy with that uh, knee that Braun Strowman that gave him at the that Rumble. That gave him... He got a receipt. Yes. He came up with two punches to the side of Strowman's head that I would have... Right in the ear. Yeah. I mean... I would have... It's it, a wonder that he did not get knocked out, like, right Well, I'm there. just... I'm surprised it didn't turmoil into more. I mean, I... Bro... Strowman knew that he was... He, he was, was going to get one. He, he knew he was stiffing him, and he knew he, he had a receipt coming. But that punch to the side of the ear, I mean, straight to the side of the head, that second one, well, that was ugly. Oh, yeah, and that, I've seen, like, slow-mos of it online and stuff. The first one was rough, but that second one was ugly. So, yeah, so Rumble, overall, I thought it was the best Rumble we had seen the card in overall. In a long time, in, at least. Yeah, in, in the last three or four years, at least. Yeah. Hated the Raw Tag Team match with Rollins and Jason Jordan. If you're not able to wrestle, then I don't want to see you standing around outside the ring. See, I hated the two out of three falls SmackDown. It never even went... Why have two out of three falls and not go three falls? Well, and the the way the finish happened, they got the first fall. Two minutes later, they got the second one match over. Right. It was stacked very oddly. Even if you don't go for the whole three falls, which, you know, I get the idea of trying to get us out of that habit of thinking, oh, well, there's going to be three falls every single time. There's one of these matches. So I understand doing the back-to-back, or getting the two falls, but it's just the way that they got them. It was very, the finish was very flat in that match. I thought the actual work was fine that they were doing. It should have just been a one fall match though, because of, I, I say, we, we say it's the best rumble in, in the past two, three years that we've seen, but I got a lot of problems with a lot of matches on the card. I did not enjoy the fact of, him starting off with AJ in the world title. That was bad card placement in itself. I didn't enjoy the match. I and that that is the first AJ Styles match that I did not like. I thought it was okay. I mean, it was it, it was just a storyline match. Yeah, but it added nothing to anybody's well, character. I thought what was weird about that match was that the storyline was really a feud simmering between Shane and Daniel Bryan. Right. And the match ends in controversy, and neither of them are out there. 
Yeah. And and it's not even picked up again on SmackDown. So no. I thought the booking of it was strange. The actual execution, Kevin Owens is still gimpy. Yeah. So Zayn did most of the work, which is fine. The they tr- weren't going to have a co-world champion. The they true were. freaking workhorse of the Rumble this year, though, was Seth Rollins. Seth oh, yeah. Rollins carries, I mean, he goes, what, 25 minutes in the Rumble? At least. Probably turns, more. Turns around, gets eliminated, has 10 minutes. Then has to do a handicap has match. Has 10 minutes and then does a handicap match for another 25 he went he went the full iron man 60 minute 60 minutes i mean straight and this is not the guy that you want to i think do that to well like, not after coming back from knee injury just a couple of years ago i or, wouldn't i wouldn't want to put that kind of a strain on his on his knee knowing that like dean is injured and i mean injuries you don't want to get injured this time of year anyway and no. to make someone do that was kind of like what i mean like another problem with that tag match the rollins match when it happened is uh, Sheamus entered the Rumble and had the Santino spot and was dumped out and looked completely foolish. And then you turn around 15 minutes later, congrats, you're the new Raw Tag Team Champions. Even though you're a joke. So I thought that was really odd. Yeah. The, um, but I think the two main Rumble matches were booked pretty well overall. I have minor complaints about, like we already talked about with the women's match, I thought the men's match was almost booked perfectly, honestly, as far I just, as... It would have been if we had a Legends return. Just he one. He had Hurricane. Come on, man. Hurricane, dude! Great guy. Absolutely wonderful to be around. Let's be honest. Really? I wanted this to mean a full-time return. But... Oh, I would love to see him back full-time. But, I mean, a one-off, uh, I didn't really... I didn't enjoy it that much. Yeah, I just think that I don't. Who would you have wanted? Who would have been your guy, really? Well, see, I mean, we've seen we've seen Nash over the years, and right. we've seen DDP over the years. I would like to have seen, and I'm going to drill this into your head. I've said it for three years in a row. I wanted to see Jake Roberts. While the man is still old enough and can go one more time, I want to see Jake the Snake Roberts. I just think it would have been and Jake, Jake. Would have loved to have gotten that phone call. Well, I know that a few personally years ago, myself. Jake would have loved to have. Yeah, gotten he would have that liked fo- the payday too. You no, know, he'd have done it for free. Uh, well, a few years ago, that was his goal was to do a rumble spot, and then they they didn't, and they gave him a raw spot instead. But I don't know. Hit, I, hit one DDT and get thrown out. That's all I'm asking. We're not saying you have to go five ten minutes. Hit one DDT. The place goes absolutely ape shit. You have the, one of the biggest hills in the world. Throw him over the top rope and eliminate him. That would have been huge. There's no one I can really think of off the top of my head that would have been like, wow, I can't believe he's back. You know? Yeah. So No debuts really in the Rumble, no. uh, but there was a debut on 205 Live as they got a new general manager. See, you were saying it was going to be Shane Helms. Hurricane, he made his comeback. Oh, it made sense It to made me. sense we were, as we were watching it. But no, it is none other than Rockstar Spud... Yes. From Impact Wrestling. Who has a new WWE name. He has, yes. Drake can't. Maverick. But to be honest, wow, Rockstar Spud, I always hated that name. Yeah, but Drake Maverick, that's ooh, that's pretty that's pretty bad. Well, they're the king of bad names, in my opinion. That's true. James Curtin. What's yeah. wrong with that? Yeah. James something. You could have yeah. given him a worked last name, but... Right. Yeah, so now he's the GM, and they have... Uh, decided to go the route of 205 Live. It's almost like the CWC is back because it's going to be a tournament every single night, a tournament match up until WrestleMania for the tournament finals. 
which kind of bums me out because I would love a big ladder match with all the cruiserweights. And I talked about that last episode. Is like I would love to see that at WrestleMania. I want to see the Money in the Bank match, but yeah, it be it be for a cruiserweight like a cruiserweight contract. This show was really bad. The few episodes that I've watched. And this at least gives it some direction. It gives it, it cuts out the clutter. As long as the tag challenge is going on, the show's actually shorter. So it's only like 35 minutes now, which I think helps it as well. But yeah. uh, his role as a GM is going to be, uh, I mean, he got a good response and he's he's got the British accent. So I think he's going to be very similar to William Regal in connecting with the audience in that role. So. Yeah, I do think it's great that the GM is going to be smaller than most of the small guys already. That's oh yeah, phenomenal. But yeah, I do think they'll use him as a wrestler, even if he doesn't transition into a wrestler. After the GM run, he'd make a great manager for somebody too. So oh yeah, I've always said he'd be an awesome mouthpiece for a manager. We've got an influx of Impact talent right now with uh, Jer- e- Jeremy Borash. Yeah, EC3. Uh, they they. EC3 was shown in the crowd on Saturday night in NXT, and then later later this week, yeah, it came out a big loss for Impact. I mean, this is huge. Jeremy Borash, an original from from WCW. That's right. He started the later, out the later days of WCW. The dying days of WCW yeah. went on to uh, to to work a few shows with WWE at the time when they bought him. Uh, but took then came took back. his losses and went and worked for Jeff Jarrett with this new and upcoming promotion called TNA. NWA TNA. NWA TNA, yes. And it turned into TNA Impact. And he's been there. He's been there from day one. Through all the management changes, through all the network changes, through the country change now that they've taken from, Canada. He was there before Hogan's run <laughs> and after Hogan's run. So that says a lot in and of itself. Oh, yeah, the brief Monday Night War that they tried yeah. against the WWE. Uh, but this guy, man, you talk about a utility player in wrestling. He did everything for that company. Like this, He is, I really think you could put him with JR. And it would be another Jr. and King. I mean, it, it would they play would play off each other great. Yeah, I always thought he was a good uh, commentator, but I also he can he can get in the ring and do entertaining matches. Yeah, he's wrestled. He did everything for that company. He's managed and been really well at. I mean, he is a full rounded. He's done everything athlete. you can do in pro wrestling on screen, basically. Yes. I mean, and done it well, and it worked. He would be the MC at house shows. Yeah. He's your backstage interviewer. He's the cameraman. He's setting up the ring. This guy does everything. And it's not so much a big get for WWE. I mean, it is a big get, but they are stacked with talent. You know, I hope right. that he just doesn't. He doesn't get lost in the shuffle. That's right. where, that's our complaint is with WWE is they get lost in the shuffle so easily. Someone like Steve Carino, who's very talented. As a commentator, very talented, and yet... Is just working backstage, you know, yeah. and and in Orlando, not yeah. even on the main roster. So, I just hope that he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. He's Borash is largely credited with the uh, Broken Matt Hardy stuff. A lot of that, a lot of the ideas. So hopefully, maybe that's what he's being brought in to help for first, because they've really screwed this up so far. It's, I mean, we yeah, we we talked about this on last week. Raw twenty five, you're building up. Broken Matt Hardy to take on you know, Bray. Bray Bray Wyatt and it's gonna you know who's got the more evil powers it, they had a great thing going 
What do you do? Raw 25, you throw them out there. They have a five-minute match. Bray pins him one, two, three, beats him cleanly. End of the end of that's the feud's done. That's you can't pick well, it back up and be like, oh well, I just had an off night. You would think that, Patrick, but on Raw this past week, it's going again. Because uh, at the end of Matt Hardy's match, Bray Wyatt appears on screen and they laugh. They that's all these characters do now is just laugh at it's, each other. So hopefully he yeah. can contribute some input on how to manage this character and get this character back to the level it was in Impact Wrestling. As for Impact Wrestling, well, we I, always say the end is near, but they always seem to put a they put a show on the air they at put the end a of the show day. On the air, but the thing of it is, is if you're having to take bits and pieces from three different locations just to piece together to make a show, come on. Yeah, not it's, having it's about time that you just cut your losses, cut the cord, shut shut it down, <laughs> put the old dog down. Yeah, you're, you're ready to go ahead and yeah. bid farewell. Yeah, old Yeller needs to go behind behind the barn and and be be put down because it's. It's just not entertaining anymore. They have so many comings and goings of super... You can't have a consistent... Bobby Lashley is gone now, too. You can't even... When how the, can you book a show? When the hell did Austin Aries win their title? It happened about a month ago, but it was just shown last week. Okay. So, But who knows? He might just quit the next day. Hell, you know, yeah. You never know with them. And so how can you even have a consistent product when you don't know who's showing up for work? Yeah. It's it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna pack my shit up and just go to Japan. In fact, you know this, that this past week's impact featured EC3 after you'd already seen him on NXT on Saturday. So he posted on Twitter. He was like, "I always loved Rick Rude," and he put the Rick Rude day when he was on both shows, and then he put the NXT and the Impact. Thing oh, when he was on, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah. So there you go. A lot of people forget Rick Rude on that same week was also an E. Uh, yeah, he was on ECW, ECW. Hardcore. TV. Yeah. So pretty he, impressive. Yeah. And I think he had different facial hair on each of them. So yes. it was uh quite an impressive achievement. But uh by the way, since you mentioned Rick Rude, just very very quickly, uh, on the WWE two K eighteen game, it's not his real theme music. No, it's not. What happened? Why why is it so inconsistent, Patrick, that you have it one year and then the next you're like, nah, let's just not pay for it this year. Why do you have to pay for it? You're the one that wrote the damn shit. Well, I'm sure there is... I don't know if it was a Jimmy Hart composition or if it was a Jim Johnston. I mean, they still get oh, royalties, yeah. but... Well, you, did, you, you pissed off Jim Johnston by firing him this year. I would be pissed off, too, and be like, no, you can't use my shit. Fuck you. <laughs> well, I mean, but they will for ones that they really feel like yeah. they have to have. But anyway, that was just... I noticed that I played that game this week as Rick Rude. I took on Brock Lesnar. Didn't go too well. Really? Uh, but uh, I noticed, yeah, he's coming. Out, he comes out to that generic. And it, at the Hall of Fame, they didn't play his real no, music either. No, yeah. When his son came out there. So I don't yeah, know what's going on. When his son and his daughter. I'll be play, Spend the money, guys. Yeah. You can spend a little bit of money. You don't have to sign every you know impact talent. You can spend some money on what? songs. In our in our show, they played uh, Ronda Rousey. They paid for that uh, Joan Jet track for her to come out to. So. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, I'm off my soapbox. No, you're fine because Rick Rude's actually in our main event for our show this uh, this week. Oh, he so. is. Yes, in fact, uh, so. this was a very good Clash of Champions. Card. It really was. We'll get this into is it how, here in a second. In my opinion, this is how TV should be booked for WWE in today's world. But, but anyway. back to uh, back to people leaving. Yeah, back to the news desk. Jonathan Coachman. Yes. Now this was very. It was very strange to me because 
the night of the Rumble, I was telling you how bad Booker T was. Yes. And we had discussed it on this show. And how bad he has fallen when it comes to commentary. And what do they do, Patrick, the very next day? Like... XM and we have Jonathan Coachman back doing commentary. Isn't on it crazy Raw. that we reviewed the show he debuted at was Royal Rumble 2000? Yes, and then he debuts tw- 18 years later, the day after the Royal Rumble. Like it's almost like I have an inside gig or something. <laughs> yeah, know? it's almost like maybe we, maybe maybe this is a work too. Oh, maybe I might know what I'm talking about. Just saying. Booker went on his podcast and was not very happy about no, his. Uh, uh, said he wanted to choke Corey Graves and said that's why. He got replaced because he was not very happy with Corey Graves always busting on him. But when you say stupid things, Booker, I'm sorry, you're going to get busted on, well, you know. But that's also, I mean, Corey Graves is be- quickly becoming the next JBL as it pertains to commentary and I think now being that Booker's, a little bit of a bully. I think now that Booker's not there, he'll kind of back off. Okay. Um, we'll see. Yeah, because that was, I mean, he's the workhorse right now on the team because he does Raw and SmackDown, oh, which really yeah. seems to really suck that he has to fly to a different city The he's on at the midnight. He's on the road forever and a day. Yeah, but Coachman is back. He's uh, the third man in the commentary team, and uh, he meets all their criteria because he is a commentator and he's black. And I, I look, I'm just stating the facts about these commentary teams. Yeah, you can't have a solid white team or black team. You got to Or gotta, any other minority. No. It has to be two white guys and a black guy. Coach is back. I hope he doesn't go back to being heel coach. Heel coach is very unbearable to me. Uh Monday night they didn't really have an assigned heel and face. Uh it was they were still trying to formulate their their plan. Cement their, uh, you know how how well how well they work with one another because coach has I mean he's been working on ESPN the past what ten years and so he does have he's not rusty at, at commentary but he's doing this again having someone in his ear is probably uh, very different for him. Well, having Vince in his ear telling him what to say is probably right. Yeah, it's a lot different than a producer at ESPN. So. Right, counting you down and go here you got. You got what you got, you know. There's a NFL legend that a lot of people may not know called Terrell Owens. Do we know? Oh, I think a lot of people know, know him. Do we know T.O.? He was one. He was the most flamboyant player. Uh, one of the most flamboyant players during his time. He was in the last uh, Super Bowl the Eagles appeared in. Yes. As they get set to play here in just a few hours, and uh, he was a really great wide receiver. T.O. From Chattanooga, yes, right here. The, the legend has it that he signed his commitment papers to college, and he saw that it said University of Tennessee, and he thought it was Knoxville, so he signed his commitment papers, only to then find out... It was UTC. I'm going to Chattanooga. Yeah. So, it was also on the basketball team that went to the Sweet 16 that year, so yeah. a multi-sport athlete when he, he was is. here. Well, rumor has it he was going to work for this new and upcoming XFL. He was signed, sealed, delivered. The rumors are however, are very, very, very false. T.O. is not going to be working for Vince McMahon's XFL in 2020. I hate to break that to all the fans out there, but it's not going to happen. T.O. doesn't work very cheap. No. Uh, And uh, he would want a lot of money, and Vince only has $100 million so far invested in this project. Only $100 million? I mean, come on. I know, but you don't want to commit. I don't know what he's going to pay his commentary team or his analysts, but... Screw that. I want to see his ass on the field. Uh, yeah, he's probably I don't give a shit in if he's his mid-40s. I don't give a shit if he's 100. 
Put his boy, ass Put Dick Budkiss out there on the damn field. Boy, you just want people to play until they can't walk anymore. Damn straight. Jeez. No, he he's he would be an analyst. Uh and but you don't want to give ten million dollars of your hundred million you don't want to give that much money to somebody. Right. Yet, so. No, I get it. It's a business move. But oh, it's way too premature to speculate on who's going to be a part of this thing uh, until it actually gets some well, the, I mean, right the, now it doesn't even have a TV deal. The so. rumor mills got going. I mean, and they really got going and jumped on this this week with T.O. And I'm I'm making it known right now, T.O. is not going with them. Now, further down the road, if Vince reaches out to him, you never know. But as of right now, Terrell Owens will not, I repeat, will not be with the XFL at this moment in time. We're, this is kind of our nod to the uh, Super Bowl later on this evening. Yes, so. which I I won't be watching. The Patriots have been there so often. It's like I I, I, I don't I hate <laughs> hate people that win a lot. No, it's not the Patriots. Just one, just one Patriot. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I hate Tom fucking Brady because that bastard. Wins everything he does. <laughs> everything he touches turns to gold. It does. And he smiles and he's all like, <laughs> pretty fuck. boy. He's all like, I'm so happy. And you know what? Have a bad fucking day like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Get pissed off. Something go wrong Something. for this guy. Because he is too freaking perfect for yeah. me. <laughs> it just, it pisses he's me off. He's not the common man. He's no. not the Dusty Rhodes Hell of the no. NFL. So. Hell no. Got got a supermodel wife. Yeah. Just five Super Bowl rings, five, four Super Bowl it's MVPs. Like, gonna just, get a six, maybe Ty Jordan. I mean, yeah. It's I'm I'm over him. <laughs> God, I'm fucking over him. Forty years old, oldest MVP in the league history. I mean, this guy, and no, no signs of slowing down. Pat, no. Patrick, I'm afraid in ten years you'll still be sitting here saying this Tom Brady guy. He needs yeah. to go. You won't be having the Brett Farg commentary with, oh man, I just wish he would go ahead and quit, retire, hang no. it up. No. Tom Brady, everybody's like, fuck yeah, we want stay till you're 100. Stay till you're 200 years old. We we love you. Yeah. This uh, guy. God, man. Some people just have it all, Patrick. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> go Eagles for, this, for tonight only. Go yeah. Eagles. That's yeah. all I got from the news desk, man. Let me pull it up. You picked... This was your pick this week. Okay. So you took us to Clash of the Champions 18. Back from 1992. That's correct. It was... You picked a good one. A lot of good friends on it. A lot of good uh, side notes on it. I I have quite a few words for each and every match to say. It's... uh, It was... Flew by. It flew by fast. Yeah, this is January 21st, 1992 at the Kansas Expo Center in Topeka, Kansas. There were 5,500 fans in attendance. The place was packed. Like, for a small arena, there was not an empty seat. And they were into every match. This was a very good crowd. This this 5,000-plus crowd, it made it seem like it was at least 20,000, 25,000. They were that excited, that loud. This was a Tuesday night... Now, two nights earlier in the WWF, this was a very weird time in WCW. Two it nights was. earlier, Ric Flair 
was the Iron Man in the Royal Rumble and captured the world title that really matters, the WWF one. It was the greatest moment of his life, and it was time to pay homage to the man, Patrick. So you have your biggest star is gone, and in the other company, winning the belt two days earlier. Yes. Now, as for your champion, uh, we talked about this because we've already done the pay-per-view that this is building into, which is Super Brawl 2. Correct. With uh, Sting and Luger. We always talk about... You know, oh man, we wish WCW was still around today, but it was so mismanaged. And, you know, the finger poke of doom often gets cited. It started way before that, you know. It started way before Bischoff and Russo got there, you know. It was always kind of mismanaged. Well, their world champion, Lex Luger, had a contract, much like Brock Lesnar did, where it said, I work X amount of dates. They burned through all his dates before Starcade of last year. So, he worked Starcade as a per, on a per-appearance basis. It was the Tokyo Dome show. Right. And he's going to work the next pay-per-view, which is in a month. But in between that, in between him, like, I'll have to go look it up. So, he's not been on TV, house shows. You don't no. have your world champion. No. And on this show... And they do a taped... They a sent a taped, camera crew. A taped video interview for this Clash of Champions... And he mumbles and stumbles through this damn thing. Right. You could have had a million takes, and that was the best one that That's they... That's the best one they could come up with? Yes. This, of course, was his... He was transitioning. Yes. He was going to be a bodybuilder in one of Vince McMahon's other projects. The uh, the, the, world... the forerunner to yes. the XFL. Yes. The, the World Bodybuilding Federation. Yes. A lot of people don't remember that. But... The WBF. He was going to be a guest poser at the first one. He was going to be a commentator, but he got hurt in a motorcycle accident, and then, of course, would debut later in the WWF as the Narcissist. Yes, the Narcissist, Lex Luger. Narcissius, Um, as he was called at first. Lex. Shortly after Halloween Havoc, he had been off TV. Yeah. That is really bad management. Well, that Halloween Havoc is the one here in Chattanooga. The 91, yes. Yeah, where he took on Ron Simmons. Um... I like Lex. I do. But other than being... Looking great. Yeah. Other than being a, a, a great specimen of a athlete, he can't wrestle worth shit. <laughs> no. He and can't do an, inter- an interview worth shit. You put a microphone in his face and he freaks the hell out. And he had years to get it right. You would think you would yeah. see some improvement, but even right. up until he retired... This is 92. His <laughs> ass started in 96... Let's see, when Lex Luger debuted. No, he didn't debut, but that's when he actually started hitting the indie circuit. Okay. Well, yeah, not as WCW. Yeah. It's 85. 85, okay. So that was a year off. So he's had seven years. Seven years to get this shit together. And a tape, a taped interview, and that's the best he could fucking do? I mean, come on. Well, I mean... To be fair, they weren't paying him. I mean, they probably just sent a film crew to his house, and he probably didn't get paid very much to do it. So it's like, he's just sitting there. You're the world's heavyweight champion. (laughs) Who gives a shit? Well, Patrick, most people don't treat the belt with the prestige that you do. When when you're world champion, you know, you understand all the responsibilities that come with being the world champ. Lex Luger did not. No. And as I recall from that Super Bowl match, he did not put on a very good performance against Sting that night from our review, from what I can remember. He didn't do a great performance against Ron Simmons at Halloween Havoc before that. So it was just a bad... Luger does not need to be world champion. Luger was not world champion material. 
that was a bad call. Well, and they had learned they learned that because when he finally did get the bell back in you know ninety seven, he held it for five days. They learned their lesson. Yeah, it took them many many times, but right. I can't believe the WWF brought him in as a wrestler yeah. and then tried to push him as the next Hogan, you know, like after seeing oh, yeah. how he failed, how bad he failed at WCW. Well, you see him slam the, the... I'm sure Vince thought, well, I brought in Nash and Hall and I made them stars, you know. So I'm going to take one of theirs and I'm going to... I'm going to do it with Luger too. Yeah. It's just that easy. Right. It's not that easy. He slams the massive Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid <laughs> on July 4th. Place goes nuts. We, and it was we all throw done. we throw a red, white, and blue flag on him. You're now a patriot. You're yeah. now a patriot. We we give him a bus, the Lex Express. We drive it all over America. He's meeting kids. He's going to schools. Say no to drugs. I mean, he's he's the true blue collar, ultimate white faced. You know, white real baby Amer- face. Yeah, real American. And he gets to work with Bret Hart, who's one of the best technical wrestlers who could, you know, who wrestle could, a broomstick. And and as oh they yeah, say. Bret Hart, I still think, and he is, could, still couldn't get a good match. No, couldn't get a nothing. So, <laughs> if I'm running a company, if I'm running a wrestling show, he is not going anywhere near my world title. No, let no. alone win the damn thing. He'd be a great jobber, honestly, because. You could put guys because he'd look better than all the guys that come in there to challenge him. Oh yeah, but he'd get beat. Yeah, he's sort of like Scott Putzky. He would be the my Scott be, Putzky. He would be Scott Putzky. Well, here's what's going on in WCW. The Dangerous Alliance has been trying to take over yes. WCW, sort of like what would happen a few years later with a New World organization. Brother, the Dangerous Alliance wants complete control of this company. They want complete control, but yet we're introduced to new management tonight, so it's kind of odd that this is the storyline going on at the time. Yeah. Uh, JR and Tony Schiavone have the call tonight, two people that I still think do not like each other, despite their uh, repeated messages that they do like each other. Oh, yeah, just, they throw it over I back could just, and forth. Well, yeah, I, they're just two play-by-play guys, so it's weird that they're the team. But we'll see why they're the team, because we have a surprise later tonight, a big signing uh, later tonight. One of your one of your close, personal friends. <laughs> yeah. You did an interview with him over the phone. One time, yeah. yeah. He had a book out or something. Now, J.R. and Tony... It's a good book. I did read it, by the way. But Now, WCW, they did this often. They would have the two commentators, but then they would have the hosts. And the hosts, I guess, would have the mics that go out to the building Easy E, Eric Bischoff, and Missy Hyatt are the hosts of the evening. And as hosts, okay. um, I would grade them an F because okay. outside of this opening segment, they really didn't show up that much. The world's most dangerous announcer, Gary Michael Capetta. Oh, I love Gary. Gary loves our podcast, by the way. He introduces the first contest. Harley Race is managing Vader and Mr. Hughes. Yes. Vader with his Mastodon helmet on. He does. He should be in the Hall of Fame this year. We've talked about it over and over again. But you know who's getting inducted in the Hall of Fame this year? Uh, Kid Rock. The Dudleys. And Kid Rock. You think Kid Rock is? I think so. He's the celebrity wing. That's who they're going to take before Vader. Really? Yeah, and they're going to... The man who was told he has three years to live has already... I guess they're banking on hoping he makes it through all three. Because, okay. 
It's really ridiculous. Guys. Oh, it is. I think Vader deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, especially while he's still alive, too. Now, Ricky Steamboat, what a bunch of false advertising this is. Call 1-900-909-9900 to talk to Ricky Steamboat live. Kids, get your parents' permission before calling. And it was a steep price. I think it, the, the initial call it was like... It was like $2.49 a minute, wasn't it? I think it, the minutes were a little cheaper, but the initial call itself was like $3, I think. Yeah. Uh, the pricing would change. Uh, yeah at various points in this promotion's history. I highly doubt Ricky Steamboat is taking a million phone calls before his big match tonight. I mean, he's in the main event. He doesn't have time. You're listening to a recording from two weeks ago, just FYI. Yeah, and it's talking pretty slow to keep you on the phone to drive that charge up. Mm-hmm. Hello, this is Ricky Steamboat. So, they are going to take on the Steiner Brothers, who, in this match, reminded me why I love the Steiner Brothers and oh, why yeah. I think they might be the best tag team ever. Oh, I mean, see. they. This is where you and me differ, but yes. Who would you put above them? Oh, yeah, Midnight We've Express. We've had this argument. Yeah. Okay. The Midnight Express deserve. And if they don't go in the fucking Hall of Fame this year, we already got a tag team going. Damn it. Yep. I didn't even think of that till just now. Sorry. Got to get those Dudleys in, though. Shit. How is it? Jim Cornette, who has done a lot for wrestling. Beautiful Bobby Eaton, who has done a ton for wrestling. I mean, the man even pretty much helped train Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, how is it that the Midnight Express is not in the Hall of Fame? That That is ridiculous. There's no criteria. I wish that maybe the fans got a vote for like one. I guarantee you if you actually put it out to the fans, they would have already been in. See, oh yeah, if we had a ballot, we should get a ballot. They should send wrestling podcasts a ballot and we could fill it out yeah and that's and we get one pick or whatever that's why i mean that's why they're not in it's just there's no criteria for who gets in there's no sweet stan lane dirty dennis condry beautiful bobby eaton and jim Cornette. the whole midnight express deserves to be in the hall of fame we need to see this happen and we need to see it happen very, very quickly. Starting the match, Scott single legs Mr. Hughes to the ground. Hughes is then belly to bellied by Steiner and leaves the ring to regroup. Hughes oh. is a big man, by the way. So that was a major belly to belly. Yes, he is a big man. He would slim down over the years, and but here he is a very big man. He's yeah, like still, big boss man size. Yeah, man. still trains in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, trains runs a little uh, independent wrestling outfit yeah, out there. Yeah. Rick and Scott hit tandem Steiner lines, of course, off the top turnbuckle to Mr. Hughes and Vader. Vader finally tags in, as well as Rick. Rick back suplexes Vader. Vader vertical suplexes Rick in return. Vader splashes Rick in the corner. Rick clotheslines Vader and then belly to bellies him. A big belly to belly. And then clotheslines Vader out of the ring. Rick decides to dive off the apron, but Vader catches him and puts Rick's back into the ring post. Vicious. He rolls Rick back into the ring and clotheslines him. Then Vader goes to the top turnbuckle, but gets crotched by Scott, allowing Rick to hit a super belly-to-belly on Vader. Yeah. Then Rick tags out. Scott clotheslines Vader for two. Scott German suplexes Vader. After getting punched by Rick, Scott tries a top turnbuckle cross, but Vader catches him and slams him. Vader hits a seated senton on Scott and tags in Mr. Hughes, who power slams Scott for a two count. Scotty chants break out as the crowd is really behind the Steiner brothers. Rick gets the hot tag and hip tosses and back body drops Mr. Hughes. 
Vader comes into the ring and the heels double team Scotty. Vader accidentally nails Mr. Hughes. Uh oh, some dissension. Rick then nails Harley Race, hits Mr. Hughes with the top turnbuckle bulldog, and gets a quick three as the Steiners prove victorious in a very good opening tag oh, match. Oh, yeah, this was a great jerk and, uh, curtain jerker. This was a great, great match to start it up. Everything the Steiners have done in this era that we've reviewed, I've just been a fan of. I can't remember saying a, a thing about a bad thing about their matches that we've seen. Rick yet. is without a doubt my favorite Steiner. Just he could have say I think he could have broken out and been a huge single star yeah. during this time. Right. Now as the years would progress and Scott would over you know, Rick would Rick is a little older than Scott, right? Rick is the older brother, yeah. So Scott would eventually overtake him as the 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 breakout star yeah. of the group, but at this time, Rick was super over, and I thought, yeah, it was looked better than Scott yeah. uh, in the ring. They're very dangerous, though. Like, I would not want to work with them, because you are just going to get thrown around there, the ring. There are stories, and I'm serious, there are stories out there that around this point in time, people that would have gotten in the wrestling business would, you know, they may be new, or they may be a little green. They would walk in, see their names on the on the match card against the Steiners and retire right then and there and leave because they would not want to have to take that kind of an ass whipping and Steiners were that dangerous and that stiff. Yeah, and just the way that they throw you with no regard. I mean, yeah, they they it's stiff. They work stiff. They always have. They always will. I mean, it was a nothing tag match. There was nothing at stake or anything, but it was as much as you like this tag match. I like our next one a lot better. Yeah, this turned out to be a pretty good match as well. You liked it because of who it featured. Tracy Smothers and the tailor-made man. Yes. Wild-eyed Southern boy, Tracy Smothers, and none other than... This was when he was young Pistol Tracy, though. Yes. yes. And, of course, the Red Rooster. The Red Rooster, yeah. Who is now... Terry Taylor. He has turned back into a man. After being a rooster for a few years. Yes. And, and now he, he dresses nicely he by, dresses by a, a tailor. So now he is the <laughs> tailor-made man. And so, yes. He kind of looks... Uh, he's kind of dressed as how Hunter Hearst Helmsley would be dressed. Like, yeah. with the slick it's back the same hair. same gimmick. A young rookie named Marcus Bagwell. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Who would have thought that this kid... Out of Atlanta, Georgia, a male stripper, would turn on to become Buff the Stuff Bagwell. Not so buff here. No, he actually looked, he looked lean. He was very, you know, he looked good. Very young. Yeah. In the face, like. Yeah, he looked really almost, young. Almost unrecognizable from what he would become. Yeah. Like, if you put them side by side, like 1998 Buff Bagwell and 1992 Marcus Bagwell, it'd be like, are you sure that's the same person? Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. I want to give my props to Buff, but I really can't because his tag team partner, his tag partner is the one who really really deserves this. The one and only Flying Brian Pillman. Yes. Uh, These are thrown together teams. In fact, the announcers mentioned that they've never worked together, any of these guys. Never. Taylor and Pillman exchange a chop battle. And then Brian hits a head scissors and atomic drop. He throws strikes with Taylor and Smothers. Taylor hits a backbreaker to Brian. Spinning head scissors and crossbody nets a two for Brian before tagging in Bagwell. Bagwell runs wild on the heels and they hit stereo drop kicks on Taylor and Smothers. They hit stereo planches to the outside on the heels, which in WCW turn, I mean, this was like groundbreaking stuff. If you went over the top rope out to the floor, you did some major stuff back in in this era. Yeah, you're a high flyer. Yeah. So they hit these stereo planches to the heels. 
Then Smothers hits a few clotheslines on Bagwell when they get back in the ring and gets a two count. Smothers tries a warrior splash, but Bagwell gets the knees up and tags Brian back in. Brian runs wild and hits a spinning heel kick to Smothers for a two count. Taylor suplexes Brian from the apron to the mats, but he landed on his feet, so it was okay. Smothers throws him into the turnbuckle and rolls him back into the ring and covers for a two count. Taylor tags in and then gut-wrench powerbombs flying Brian for a two. Smothers knocks Pillman to the guardrail. And then a springboard clothesline from Pillman gets him back in the ring. Then Marcus Alexander Bagwell gets the hot tag. He clears out the heels and gets a sunset flip pinfall on Tracy Smothers to win the match. The rookie. The rookie beats. The vet. The veteran. The wild-eyed southern boy. Tracy Smothers. Young Pistol. Yeah, oh, yeah, Young Pistol. His Young Pistol was not firing tonight in yeah. WCW. and Instead, it was Marcus Alexander Bagwell who, yes, as you mentioned, Brian did all of the work here. Uh, oh, Brian, Brian Pillman. Outside of that one plancha that Bagwell did, he did very little work. Yeah, in this Pillman, match. Pillman owned this entire, this entire match. What a nice thing to do for Bagwell, to do all that work for him and let him get the pinfall. Well, yeah. Got to get the rookie over. We've got to make the rookie, the rookie look good, even though he still knows very little about wrestling. This was an okay match. Oh, I, was, I enjoyed this match. I, I liked Brian's performance in it, um, but... I loved the uh, the back-to-backs with, uh, with Pillman and Tracy Smothers. I thought that was a very... Uh, I'd love to see that in a singles match any day of the week. It, it was fine. Uh, these guys should have been, though... I, I would have rather seen Brian in the next match. As oh, we are, yeah, you know why? Because you freaking made me watch a Mark Merrow match. Johnny B. Bad, you love him. I cannot stand him. He is your favorite wrestler. You tell this me this man knows. Me this per- is your gimmick. You get man- on the air and you tell him you hate Johnny B. Bad. But then we get off the air and you say, "Dude, I love Johnny you were B. So Bad. Full of shit. I want every pick to be you, Johnny B. Bad." You were so full of shit. The world knows. Mark Merrow knows. Himself personally knows. I cannot stand him to his core. I hate this man with a passion. Well, what and was, you made me sit here and watch this shit. Well, it seems like he pops up in WCW matches like every card. I don't think this guy missed a card between now and when he left. For oh WWF. yeah, no, he didn't. This freaking little Richard weirdo ended up having to be on this was every single an... episode for twelve years. Yeah. It seems like of WCW mostly wrestling the same person for like three months straight. Like oh yeah, especially in the mid nineties, it was DDP every month is paired up with Johnny B. Bad. You know, I'm not putting these guys on the weight scales, but let's just say there is no way in hell he is a cruiserweight. Yeah, just this is by the way, this is built as a light heavyweight matchup between Richard Morton and Johnny B. Bad. If you're wondering where the champ is, well, he's in Japan because that's Jushin Thunder Liger. Yes. Thunder Liger is in Japan, and he won't be around until the pay-per-view. Yeah, so if you want to see the champ, you got to pay some This pay is some uh, This is all Japan pro wrestling, and they're, uh, they're all set with WCW at this point in time. And Jushin Thunder Liger, who still wrestles to this day, is without a doubt an excellent pick to be holding, holding this title right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, matches between him and Flying Brian should be pretty good. Yeah. But a match between him and Johnny B. Bad, I imagine, would not be no. very good. And why is it that we have <laughs> Ricky Morton? Heel Richard Morton. Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll... The Hall of Fame. I get to say this now. I'm so happy. The Hall of Fame tag team, the Rock and Roll Express, my good friend, Ricky Morton, 
is being thrown in to a shit fest with this asshole, Mark Marrow. It's Johnny B. Bad. I don't care. Okay. Okay. Call him by his real name, Johnny B. Bad. I wanted his confetti cannon to go off <laughs> in his face. So Richard Morton is out first. By the way, the Richard Morton character, um, there's not very much. He's not heel enough to be. No. Ricky, that's the thing is Ricky Morton cannot be a heel. I don't know. Even if you change his name to Richard, which yes. was like the extent of his heelness. Was, yes. Oh, you I'm now cannot, Richard. You cannot turn this this guy heel. That, that's so, how over the Rock and Roll Express were, though. That's how much the fans really love, especially in the South, really love the Rock and Roll Express. And Johnny B. Bad's gimmick is so terrible. It's like he's a heel, even if he's a face. So this seems like a heel-heel matchup here. As he comes out with his... You know what creeped me out, though? The little girl that was dressed up like Johnny B. Bad. It's probably his daughter. They, like, span over to her, and I think she's all holding her sign. And she's definitely a plant, because we've seen her before. I was thinking so, but it says, like, kiss me, kiss me, Johnny, or something like that. Or Oh, remember... Hold the, it was, the little sign. Well, they brought that girl into, into the, ring the ring that time. That, yeah, yeah. That was weird. That Yeah. Johnny B. Bad is out next with his fireworks spooters in his hand yes. and a giant, like a Macho Man-style cape. And he is just... Oh, he's eating this up, man. How many He cannons? looks more bizarre than gold dust. How many how many cannons did he go through though? He had those sparklers and then the oh, cannons yeah. in his sleeves. And he and had the, the bad blaster with the confetti. Yeah, I mean this entrance went on forever. Yes. And he had his lip stickers, which we'd see later, would uh, not turn out well for him. Oh, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I Lo- knew I loved that. That was your segment of the night. Loved that segment. He's a light heavyweight bullshit. Yeah, there's no way in hell. JR says, oh, he's at the limit. Uh, yeah, he's, he's over the he, limit. Seeing as how he boxed in the Golden Gloves as a heavyweight. Just saying. I mentioned B-Bad's ring attire is something else. This guy needed a fashion consultation. He is the mixture of Little Richard and elton john it's weird it's bad it's johnny b bad yeah bad hits an axe handle smash on morton bad inside cradles morton for a two count we get an inverted atomic drop on bad from morton then a springboard sunset flip nets a two for johnny b bad sunset flips would be the theme of the night on uh this particular clash of champions it's a good move i like it except when mick foley tries it later tonight this, oh yeah it made no sense okay anyway i'll get there <laughs> Bad hits a power slam for a two count. Morton tries a crossbody press, but Bad rolls through, and referee Patrick going, you fucked this up, pal. I did. Because he is all in the ropes. And I went ahead and counted the but one, But you counted ten, the three. three, and Johnny B. Bad gets a fluke win. And you here. know what? You we were happy Ricky because... Ricky Morton is the type of guy that could wrestle a broomstick as well and make it look great. Ricky Morton didn't do shit for this match. Yeah, I, I wrote here, that was a shitty match. This, it was so. that bad. You can't, that's how bad Mark Merrow is. Well, and I think if you're trying to get someone over, hit a finisher, you know? Don't just have an out of nowhere. F- like, a lot of these matches, that's one of my complaints. Of, I don't have many complaints about this card, but no one has a finishing move. Like, everyone's just rolled up or, like, fluke. Fluky we had awakening later on. But. Yes, but it was used after the match had yes. already concluded. Yeah, It was used quite effectively. I love that angle. Too bad it doesn't go anywhere for the next pay-per-view because they're <laughs> in different fucking matches. <laughs> That's true. Because of Lex Luger. <laughs> That's true. Luger is to blame for all of this. Anyway, so... this is a, Luger fucked up WCW around this time pretty bad. But, yeah. So Johnny B. Bad, yes, gets a win in uh, the ropes. You know what? 
you know how how excited I am of our next match. You want to know why? Because we get none other than DDP against <laughs> PN News. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Now, before that, though, is your segment of the night. Oh, yeah. And I'll Sorry. include it here. I skipped ahead. No. So we go to commercial break. We go to commercial break. We come back. We have, e. we have Eric Bischoff doing a uh, interview with both uh, Mark no. Marrow, better known as Johnny B. Bad. Well, what's weird is he doesn't ask Marrow any questions. No, Marrow is just standing there. He's he's well, he's going to. He starts off with Pillman and uh, flying Brian Pillman. Oh yeah, and he's he's talking to him, and Brian's telling him, "Listen, you know, Brian cuts a promo on the entire country of Japan. Yeah, for Liger. taking all our jobs. Yeah, Liger, you took you took the championship belt. The light heavyweight title deserves to be in America. How dare you come? All my over friends here. are all losing you, their factory all jobs. Your, all your all you Japs are coming over here taking our <laughs> our our jobs and taking you're taking our cars away from us. You're how dare you? You know. I'll tell you what, it goes much further than focus. In a very short time, Thunder Liger and myself have developed a better bitter rivalry. But it goes much deeper than arm drags and hip tosses for me. And I say that with the most utmost respect for the Japanese people. But all I can remember since I was this high, a little kid growing up, all I've watched, Japanese industries buying up neighborhood communities, turn them into high-rise office towers. Seeing close friends of mine, former classmates, looking in the eyes, seeing them despair because they've lost their jobs at the auto plant thanks to a rebate courtesy of a Japanese automaker. Well, I can assure you of one thing, Thunder Lego, there's one thing. I'm not going to watch, and that's you. Take that belt back to Japan, because February 29th, 1992, Super Bowl, I'm bringing that belt back where it belongs, the United States of America. And at this point in time, Johnny Bad is taking, making faces. Yeah, he's <laughs> making faces, and he's taking little kiss stickers. And he put one on Bischoff. Lips. He puts one on Bischoff's cheek. And Bischoff then, plays along. Yeah. Then he turns around, he puts one on Pillman's cheek. And Pillman does what I have wanted to do my entire life. He hauls off, and he knocks the hell out of Mark Marrow. He says, kiss this. And he levels him so hard. And it was the most entertaining spot I have ever seen. I enjoyed this. With Johnny B. Bad. It's a Johnny B. Bad segment you enjoy. Yes, because so, he got his ass kicked. He finally got what he deserved and got his head clean taken off his shoulders. The faces he was making at the camera was pretty hilarious, though, as he was like making the kissy face at the yeah. camera during Brian's serious promo. Now, Brian delivers this face promo, but then does a heelish thing by decking the other guy. So it was Well, of- he did the world a favor, though, by doing it. <laughs> so I, we can forgive him. Right. Next, as you mentioned, Diamond Dallas Page and the original John Cena, PN News, <laughs> the first rapping wrestler. I'll include PN News' terrible rap, but yes, he ends it, yo baby, yo baby, yo. <laughs> it's the first Clash in 92, and have I got a surprise for you. Come on, Page, let's see what you got. I know you'll fight fair. Not! Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo! And he didn't get his yo babies out before Diamond Dallas Page took over. DDP tries a slam, but PN News is just too fat for that. 
So he falls over. News hits a drop kick, but doesn't get anywhere near connecting. It was one of the worst looking drop kicks I've ever seen. But oh, D- yeah. DDP sells it anyway yes. by falling out of the ring. Yes. DDP gets back in the ring. Pian splashes him in the corner. Then DDP hits a clothesline for two and lands a few elbows to a downed Pian News. A Russian leg sweep to the big man, and Pian News is down. DDP didn't learn from his earlier slam attempt, so he tries it again. Again, Pian News is still fat, and he falls on DDP and gets a two count. DDP hits a springboard cross on PN News for a two count. The News hits a belly to belly. Yes. And climbs to the top rope. He does. And I got really worried about this man's safety. I really, I did. I was so glad to think back in my mind that I, I still know Dallas is alive today because at this point in time watching this, I thought he was going to die. And he hits a giant splash and wins the match. PN News, yo baby, yo baby, yo. As DDP is a jobber here in 1992, and it's crazy to think about what he would become in a few years. Yes, this this just in, ladies and gentlemen, PN News still sucks. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and DDP in 1992, I hate to say it, still sucks. So, (laughs) However, he would go on to become the people's champion in 96. Right. So mainly from his feud with Johnny B. Bad. That's all I'm saying. Oh no, no. Johnny no, B. Bad helped get him over. No, it's okay. It's okay. No. We can come to terms with how great Johnny B. Bad is. No. Mark Merrow goes to colleges now and does inspirational speaking. That's right. I want to shove my inspirational foot up his ass. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> the character of Johnny B. Bad might be okay with that for some reason. <laughs> yeah, anyway. He might enjoy it a little too much. Time for the WCW top ten. I'll go through it real quick. Oh yes. I love this. Now, this is... I wish I wish WWE did rankings guess just what? like this. They introduced them on SmackDown on Tuesday. No shit, really. So on SmackDown, they are going to do the top 10. And much like this one, it will not be enforced. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to mean shit. Yeah, so <laughs> the top 10, your top 10 uh, wrestlers in the company are Zabisco, El Gigante, Vader, Dustin Rhodes, Cactus Jack, Rick Steiner, Rick Steamboat, Steve Austin, Sting... And the number one ranked wrestler, it's odd, is Rick Rude, who does not is not the actual number one contender. He's just ranked number one. Correct. So they, these don't mean anything. Not a damn thing. And your champion is, of course, Lex Luger. K. Allen Fry. It's time for a little administration news in WCW. K. Allen Fry is introduced as the new boss of WCW by Tony Schiavone. Now, for those of you who don't know who this is, it's just one of Ted Turner's buddies. To, it's a suit, yeah. It's a to go and he, he he's a he's a Ted Turner friend. Go and keep this business afloat. And this guy knows nothing about wrestling. Yes. So he announces Super Brawl Two will be main invented. This is this is crazy news by Lex Luger. He doesn't name Lex Luger's opponent. He no, just says, no. We just know that the main event is going to it's include crazy. the champion. The champion would be main eventing a show. It's a, I'm glad they brought him in to tell me this. this. That's once again, as I say, this dude knows nothing about wrestling. Then Fry introduces a debut. In fact, I believe this was supposed to be... Me and Brad in my radio show have interviewed uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, who is introduced. He will be the new color commentator this is before the governor this yeah. is this is straight up this is from wwf yes he sued the company uh and then he left and he yes. went to wcw yes and so he's got his feather boas he he comes out riding his harley 
He's got his, you know, leather jacket with fringe. I mean, he's, he's terribly dressed. Yes. He's terribly dressed. He's got his tie-dye shirt on underneath. This is straight up 70s Jesse all over again in 1992. Now, I believe this surprise was actually intended for another wrestler. They thought they had someone else coming in. I actually, yeah, I, I think believe it was. it was supposed to actually be Jake the Snake was going to be introduced here. And something they ended up not signing him, or it was somebody else. It was supposed to be for another wrestler, and then they made the audible at the last minute and signed Jesse Ventura. So Shivani, after uh, interviewing Jesse, announces that Sting will take on Lex Luger. Now, as I mentioned, Rick Rude is the number one wrestler in the company, but yet yes. Sting jumps jumps the line. You want to know why? Because he's Sting, and it's 1992 <laughs> WCW, the blonde flat top. Everybody loves Sting. Well, and I guess they were they were worried. Well, Luger about was being, a heel. They, they were worried about who the hell's going to buy this if we don't put him on the main event. Well, they couldn't have heel versus heel, and Luger was working as a heel, I guess, as champion. Yeah, was he? I'm not even sure he knew. He's so bad at character acting. We don't know if Luger's a face or a heel. We don't know who he is. Yes, or what he is. So Luger then pops up on the screen in a pre-tape promo, just sitting on the couch at home. Yeah, he says, "Oh, I'm getting ready for the biggest match of my career." Doesn't look like it, Lex. And he says he's focused on victory. He says Sting will be just another chapter. You you got that out of all the stuttering and stumbling and mumbling that he made. We have the WCW World Heavyweight Champion Lex Luger standing by with some comments for you. Let's go to Lex Luger at this time. You know. A lot's been said about the seclusion of Lex Luger as of late. I call it the champion's prerogative. I call it preparation, both mentally. I'm getting in tune for the biggest event, the biggest match of my career, like I never have before. It's called concentration. It's called focusing on one thing and one thing only, and that's victory. Physically, I am in the finest condition of my life. My training regimen has never been more severe. I am totally and absolutely prepared like I never have before in my lifetime for this match coming up. A lot's been said about friendship. Friendship is put aside when you step through those ropes and the bell sounds. It's all business and Lex Luger takes care of business. That's why I'm the world's heavyweight champion. That's why when it's all written, the storybook career of a total package Lex Luger, I just don't want to be the greatest wrestling champion of all time. I want to be known as the greatest athlete of all time. So when it's all said and done, Sting, after that match, you will just be another chapter in the storybook career of the greatest wrestler and the greatest athlete who ever lived the total package, Lex Luger. Okay, there it is, the comments from the heavyweight champion of the world, Lex Luger Sting, and now it's time for you to make that signing in preparation for this big matchup. I wish I could grab him right out of the screen now and do it right now. Yeah, I'll include the promo here. We can all bask in the greatness together. Okay, all right. Now Sting is introduced to come sign the contract, and I expected a big promo from Sting. Instead, he just says, No, we didn't get shit. I wish I could grab Luger through the screen right now. Yeah. 
signs the contract, says that, poses, poses in the ring. I'm thinking, well, damn, we're going to get like a match next with him, something. No, we didn't get shit. Poses one time in the ring, signs a contract, says that, and leaves. Yep. And Jesse Ventura standing there like, wait, what? Jesse just reminds us, yeah, I'll be at Super Brawl as well. Yeah. Can't wait to see you. And then Jesse doesn't go to the commentary booth immediately, which I thought was weird, but whatever. Terrible. Just absolutely. Now, this, I will say, I believe this to be match of the night. As it was last week. This was a good match, actually. This was very entertaining. It's a Falls Count Anywhere match, with, of course, if it's a Falls Count Anywhere match in WCW, Cactus Jack. Call Cactus Jack. Mick Foley. You can get your tickets now for Super Brawl 2. Plenty still available, guys. Heavy Metal Van Hammer, as his was. He comes out. He's playing his his guitar. His guitar. His guitar. He's He's got a. He's got his heavy metal. His heavy metal guitar, and he uh, he he throws it around his neck, and he he shoots sparklers out of the. Uh, the they were supposed to be guitar picks. He shot guitar picks out of the the end of his guitar into yes, Cactus Jack's at, at face. Cactus, yes, but as he's on the rampway though, or before he goes to the rampway, he shoots sparklers out of the top of it. All right, yeah, this guitar had many features. Yes. I want to see the sparklers go out at Cactus, not not the picks. Yeah. I want to see the I want to see him try to light Cactus Jack on fire because Mick Foley would be dumb enough to do it. So he's supposed to look like uh, Van Halen. That's yes. why he's Van Hammer. Yes. Let's see, this is a false count anywhere match, but Jr. specifies it's anywhere in the state of Kansas. So I hope that they don't cross the line into Missouri because then it doesn't count. Because this is false count anywhere in Kansas match. Hammer sprays Cactus with guitar picks and then shoots him out at him. I know. This is a cheap shot from the face. And then the face lunges over the ropes with a crossbody and gets a two count on Cactus. He just wants to win right away. Yeah. This is a good strategy. I want to see him just take the guitar and smash it over his head. Jeff Jarrett. He should have been on the phone with Jeff Jarrett. Hey, I got a guitar. What should I do with it? Yeah. So he hits a flying clothesline and a second rope clothesline and a leg drop to Cactus Jack, and he goes for another cover, but Cactus kicks at like one. Hammer tries another top turnbuckle clothesline, but instead gets decked by McFoley. Foley does his signature clothesline, you and me, to the floor together. Then he throws Hammer to the guardrail. Then Foley moves the mats off the floor. Uh-oh. Pills him away to the hard concrete. And he throws Van Hammer face first into the floor. Ouch. Yes. Then... Mick Foley does what we have all thought. Cactus does the dumbest thing he goes I've the, probably ever seen in a Cactus Jack match. And that includes... Climbs to the second rope. And I'm thinking he's going to drop the elbow. But then all of a sudden, you see Van Hammer start standing up. Right. So Cactus does an audible and decides to throw a sunset flip onto the concrete floor. Van Hammer just has to fall back. <laughs> Cactus Mick Foley flips and lands back and hips first on this hard concrete from literally we're talking twelve feet in the air. I mean, six, he wasn't on six the, feet from the apron to the floor. He was on the he climbed to the, the second, second rope, so he was okay, maybe about ten feet. Here's why I think this was so stupid because number one, sunset flips are not. You never say, "Oh man, what a vicious sunset flip." He just executed on that guy. Yeah. It's not a power move. No. Like people don't go, oh my God, did you see that sunset flip in that yeah. match? He could have just hit a clothesline. 
That's true. it. That's true. That's all he had to do. That's true. But or instead, drop kick. he does the sleeping sunset flip. Yeah, he goes right over Hammer. He tries to grab at Hammer. Hammer is not. Hammer's like, I'm not even falling back on this concrete. Screw you. Yeah. So then smashes his own back against the concrete, almost like that Umaga bump we saw in oh, WrestleMania. At WrestleMania, 20. that was ugly. Yeah. And then Van Hammer didn't flip in time, didn't roll with him in time. So then Foley just has to kind of grab him and pull him down. It was very awkward, but yet made Mick look like an idiot. Yes. Very painful at the same time. No, and it It was painful to watch. And it's not even, he's going to bump on the concrete again tonight. So, I mean, I'm sorry. I love him. I think he's he's, he's a legend. Yeah, Mick Foley is, I mean, he is. He's a legend. But you don't do this in a match with Van Hammer. Save this for the big matches, you know. But... Your body, your body is a timeline in professional wrestling, and and bouncing off the concrete is only taking that timeline a little bit closer to the end. So, so then Hammer says, "You know what? I'll try the same thing." So he leaps and hits a clothesline to Mick on the concrete and covers him on the concrete for a two count. Oh, almost time to go to break, so they decide to go backstage. And for the live crowd, uh, that sucks because there's no way to watch what they're going to do wherever they're going. You don't have a TV. You don't have anything. You're just stuck. We return, and they're in the parking lot. Missy Hyatt's commentary is now being piped into the arena as she is out there watching these guys. Her commentary is dreadful. Her voice is dreadful. Yes. I feel sorry for these fans. Now, they fight towards the edge of the parking lot, which happens to be where they're setting up for the rodeo. They are setting up for a rodeo. And Foley tries to maim Van Hammer with a bull's skull. Those we, longhorns. Well, yeah, but what kills me is then Van Hammer tries to throw Mick in with a wild caged bull. Luckily, Mick fought away from him. They stagger out into the horse pen, and none other than Abdullah the Butcher. It's hard to hide Abdullah the Butcher, but they managed to do it. That is true. He's a big man. He is a big man. Abdullah the Butcher, out of nowhere, comes up, attacks Heavy Metal Van Hammer, attacks Cactus Jack, who, these guys are tag teams, by the way. They're tag team partners. Foley and the Butcher. Foley and the Butcher are tag team partners. You know how they're. You know why? Because they like to beat the shit out of each other. They beat each other as much as worse as they're they masochists. Their, yes. They love pain. And so that is. And so, what does Abdullah do next? He decks Van Hammer with a shovel, like a snow shovel. Yes, the biggest shovel I've ever seen. Yes, and. What's weird is they said it was intended for Cactus Jack, but you're saying they were tag team partners. They were, they, but they also like to beat the hell out of each other, too. Well, he would have cost his buddy the match if he smacked him with the shovel. He really wouldn't have cared. So anyway, uh, he smacks Hammer with the shovel and fully pins Hammer in the rodeo arena. Yes. And then, yes, this is what happens. In the horse pen. Then Cactus and Abdullah battle over. Abdullah picks up. Missy Hyatt over his shoulder takes her into the uh, horse trough there and just proceeds to dump her into the cold ass freezing water. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, it was about twenty degrees outside at this point in time. I worried for the microphone that she had. I thought I hoped that she had dropped it before she got. So she didn't get electrocuted. No, not she would. I think it was a wireless mic, but it would have just ruined the mic. I was worried about the equipment. <laughs> yeah, no, screw that. It's you know, it's WCW. Yeah. They're going to waste a lot it's of money. Turner's money. Screw it. 
And he also dunks Cactus Jack into the trough. Yes. So everyone gets dumped in the water, except Abdullah, who wouldn't have fit in the trough, I'm afraid. Abdullah's a big man. God, he's a big man. Up next, oh, what would you think about the match? Oh, it's a great match. It's very entertaining. Um, Make unnecessary falls for Mick to be taking, though. Oh, seriously. yes. Uh, it didn't do much for Van Hammer. Uh, but yeah, Van Hammer didn't do much in his career anyway. For a TV match, and this is before we got so many hardcore matches in the late 90s, the Attitude Era and ECW and all that stuff, this was kind of cool to see him brawl backstage. I mean, yeah. they, that wasn't really a big it wasn't thing. Big, yeah, that's true. So I, I liked it. I think, I mean, clearly I think the uh, Rumble 2000 match versus Hunter was just a little bit better, but... <laughs> it was a lot better. We come back, and I know you love the Freebirds, Patrick, but I hate this song. Uh, you know why? Because I'm a Freebird and you're not. <sighs> I'm a Freebird and what's your excuse oh, or whatever. Oh, what's your excuse? It's, yes, there you go. Yeah. I'm a Freebird and what's your excuse? So they're coming out, <laughs> and... They're trying to lip sync their song. Oh yeah, and it's no, totally off. It's bad at first. It is bad. Listen, I love Michael Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin, but Bad Street USA is a great theme song. That's see, they should have kept it. But here's the thing: is when when this is Freebirds point two, you might say, or version two with uh, Jimmy Jam Garvin, and so they had to have their own music. They can't use the original. We gotta. You know, we have to be original on Freebirds version two. So we have to include Jimmy Garvin in the song. So then they record, I'm a free bird, what's your excuse? And so we now have them singing this to the ring. But are they really singing? No. They're lip syncing their own song to the ring. And they don't seem to know the words no, too well. No, it is so bad that... They literally... And they would cut to the music video... Just to get away from oh yeah. how bad their lip syncing was. Well, not only that, I what irritated me about it, too, is the people in the music video look like they're enjoying making this song. Like, they think <laughs> this song is good and is the shit. Yeah. This song sucks. These teenage boys are thinking they're on to bigger and better things after... This was terrible. ...playing for this This, this recording. was awful. I hated this. I love the match. Oh yeah. yeah, there's not much to the match. This was uh, this was this was a rough entrance. They're taking on Brad Armstrong and Big Josh, who would Big Josh be more famous as Matt. Doink the Clown. Yes, Matt, Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne went on to uh, to be Doink the Clown, and I think very underrated. He was in the first match on the first WrestleMania. He was. Big Josh hits the log roll on Jimmy Jam and Hayes, which is. As as a lumberjack would do if he was yeah. on a log in the river. He stomps you and then he runs on the, as if the log is turning over. So yeah. that's the log roll, everybody. The Freebirds double DDT Armstrong and they win the match. Yeah. Those are my notes. Sorry. There were some other little moves, but he Yeah, it's a pretty quick match. Um, what's your thoughts on Brad Armstrong? He was underrated. I think, uh, I think Brad Armstrong, who also unfortunately is no longer with us, I think Brad Armstrong is, uh, and, and this is probably going to offend a lot of people uh out of all the armstrongs that so road dog uh and and so on and so forth i consider brad armstrong to be the best in ring he's much better than road dog yeah above any of the other armstrongs and so uh although their dad bullet bob is still at it today at 80 something years old i love bob armstrong 
Scott Armstrong is a referee in WWE. Yeah, He's the ref. evil ref. Yeah, Scott's a referee. And then you got Road Dog. And, and then we had Steve. Yeah, Steve Armstrong, which did nothing really in wrestling. And then He had, kept a job until the year 2000 in WCW, though. Really? Yeah. Up until March 29th, 2000. So there you go. But yeah, I think I do agree that the only thing that held Brad was probably the best out of the group. The only thing that held Brad out of that whole brother out of the brothers, uh, the only thing that held him back was he just wasn't good in interviews. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, and in wrestling, you you can you can be the greatest wrestler of all time, but if you can't talk it, that's why like, Road Dog was more successful. Yeah, if I you mean, can't talk it then they're not going to buy into it. So that's like Ric Flair. Ric Flair could talk shit, but he could back it up too. Bischoff is out next and intros a recap of how great the Steiner brothers are. Oh, they beat the Road Warriors. They beat the this and that. And then the Steiners come out, and oh boy, we are gifted with a Scott Steiner promo, (laughs) which I could listen to all day. But it's not up to his standards of great promos he just says no more mr nice guy and rick says some stuff before that i'll include it you you can listen for yourself nothing nothing to be found here it's pretty bad impressive indeed hello everybody i'm joined now by rick and scott steiner you're looking at a team here that started wrestling at the age of 14 years old and you two really got the taste of championships early state high school champions two times all-american at michigan and you're the only tag team in history to ever hold the WCW US tag team titles, the IWGP titles, and the WCW world tag team titles. Now that you're back together again, the bicep is healed, you've got to be looking at those WCW world tag team titles. Well, you see, Eric, it goes like this. Someone came in to my brother's house and stole something very precious, very something that meant very much to us. Some people would go to the police and get law and order. Me and my brother have our own way to take care of justice. You guys took something from us. We never, nobody ever beat us for them. And we coming after you two, Iron Aston and Bobby Eaton. How about it, Scott? You know, Eric Bischoff, they say patience is a virtue. Well, me and my brother are not patient anymore. We're ready to come back and reclaim something we never lost. Beautiful Bobby, Arn Anderson, Put your name on a dotted line and we'll prove to you who's the best tag team in wrestling. And just like Alice Cooper used to sing about, that is now our motto. When we step in the ring, it's no more Mr. Nice Guy. We're coming at you with bad intentions. You heard it from the Steiner Brothers. Fans will be back with more action from the Clash of Champions right after... Another another one of your favorites. Yes. Wildfire Tommy Rich. Did somebody say something about getting fired up? Wildfire Tommy Rich will be taking on none other than... Vinny fucking Vegas. (laughs) Kevin Nash in a suit. This match is pretty uh, easy to call as well. He grabs Tommy Rich by the hand, points out a fan in the crowd, says, Hey, this guy's talking trash about you. And then he cheap shots Wildfire Tommy Rich. He removes his coat now, his uh, tuxedo coat, yes, and is wrestling in a Mr. Backlund-inspired suspenders outfit. He is. Then he hits Snake Eyes to Rich and does a lazy pin cover. And One, two, three, and that's the end of... Wildfire Tommy Rich jobs a, out a to Vinny Vega. former Vinnie. NWA World Heavyweight Champion just jobbed out to this up-and-coming kid called Kevin Nash. Yeah, the... Uh, 
the strip club bouncer gets the win over the the legend who wrestled in you know the last battle of Atlanta. Yeah. So. Yeah. Polly dangerously is now with Bischoff. Paul says all of his predictions come true. And tonight, one of your heroes will be crippled. They have two matches. The Dangerous Alliance is a part of the last two matches. And so one of these five opponents that they will be taking on is going to be crippled and maimed permanently out of wrestling. Who will it be? Who's it going to be? Wyndham, Dustin Rhodes, Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons, it's unfortunate. This will happen the day after Martin Luther King Day. Oh. Yeah, that's what he mentions here. <laughs> or bad, will it be... Bad timing. Yeah. Or will it be Ricky Steamboat or will... Oh, no. Sting. Could it, could it be Sting? Sting may not make it to Super Brawl. <laughs> that, that would actually be a great angle here. <laughs> uh, Every single prediction that I have made since I returned on October 27th has come true. Changes on the board of directors, the demise of Sting, the loss of the world tag team titles to Anderson and Eaton. Tonight, yet another prediction of Pauly Dangerously's will come true. I am promising you right here on national TV tonight, one of your top five heroes is out, finished for good, injured, maimed, crippled. Will it be Barry Windham with the crunched hand who couldn't hold up his end of another organization? Will it be Dustin the Natural Rhodes, son of a putrid plumber, horse thief from Austin, Texas, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes? And speaking of dreams, will it be Ron Simmons a day after a glorious national holiday that sees all his dreams crushed and ends up right back in the ghetto? What happens if Ricky the Dragon Steamboat goes home and causes his little son psychological damage because the little boy has to watch daddy suffer permanent disfigurement at the hands of the Dangerous Alliance? Or will tonight be the night that we put the final nail in Sting's coffin? Win, lose, or draw! Tonight, the Dangerous Alliance promises you one thing, one or more of your top heroes will wind up in the Magnum TA Wrestling Retirement Home. Now, you want to guess who it is? You got two matches left. I give you one clue. He'll never wrestle here again. Fans, stay with us. The Clash of Champions continues after this timeout. It, it turns out not to be. Uh, Arn, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zabisco yeah. are out next for the Dangerous Alliance. They are taking on Ron Simmons, the natural Dustin Rhodes, and Barry Windham, who yes. is horsemanless, as the head horseman has uh, hightailed it over to WWF. Yes. Windham beats up on Bobby to start the match. Bobby, as typical, as per Bobby matches, takes the ass whooping. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you, this man should win an Oscar and a Grammy, or a uh, uh, Oscar and a uh, Emmy, Emmy, for his sales jobs throughout the years, because he can he can take an ass whooping. He and, is the punching and bag. Sell it so good that you're believing he is at death's door. Wyndham beats up on Bobby to start the match. He superplexes Bobby right off the bat for a two count before the heels break it up. Everyone locks in a figure four for a second, maybe in a homage to the WWF World Champion. Larry Zabisco and Arn try to double team Simmons, but Simmons shoulder tackles them both. He bear hugs Bobby and clotheslines him. 
press slams Arn and then clotheslines Sabisco. So now Rhodes is in against Bobby. The natural throws Bobby over the ropes onto the ramp, that elevated rampway that they would use in WCW, and then hits a leaping clothesline as Dustin Rhodes goes flying and nails Bobby Eaton out on the rampway. Oh, so, Barry Wyndham's hand is also broken, by the way, at this point. Well, it gives him more power he's, for he's his got punch. A, well, he's got a cast on. It's that loaded yeah. cast, yeah, right? He's got that loaded cast on. Zabisco tags in, as does Barry Wyndham. Wyndham drop kicks Bobby off the turnbuckle to the apron. Then Wyndham bulldogs Arn and then tags the natural back in. Dustin misses across to Larry and goes sailing over the ropes to the ramps. Whoops. Then the heels keep Dustin away from the other faces and Arn hits a Arn Spinebuster, a nasty one, for two and three quarters. Arn then follows it up with a beautiful DDT. Bobby hits a top turnbuckle elbow to Dustin. But Dustin kicks at two. Yeah, I was thinking we were getting Alabama Jam. There, I did too. That they I even called really, yeah. the announcer said, "Is it time for the Alabama Jam?" And he just did a Macho Man elbow. Yeah. Arn tags in, tries a second rope forearm to a down Dustin, but Dustin puts his legs up and hits him in the face. Wyndham gets the hot tag, shoulder tackles Bobby, back body drops Bobby, and then tags Larry before getting cheap shotted by the heels. Bobby tries something up the top turnbuckle, but Wyndham catches him. With a big right-hand punch, which looked devastating. Bobby did a great sell job on the punch. One, two, three. Bobby takes the fall, as was often the case. And Barry Wyndham in the faces get a big win over the Dangerous Alliance. No one got crippled in this match, so the prediction has not come true yet. So that leads us down to either Ricky Steamboat or Sting. Uh Uh-oh. It could get ugly. I know. uh, Paulie mentions that Steamboat's little baby is gonna, you know, have to watch his father be in a wheelchair. Yeah, I mean that's really that's... sad stuff. <laughs> this six-man tag was fine. Uh, the I... ref did not do a good job keeping up with the tags, as he would in the next match too. No, they, because tags were not uh, very important here. No, because I'm pretty sure that uh, Barry Wyndham was not even the legal man for that pinfall of one, two, three. So. But whatever. We took it. We did it. It's on TBS. We got to get the show on the road here. <laughs> we got to get out of here. We got a Braves game coming on next. Yeah, we got yeah. They go to break, and Shivani catches up with the the faces in the locker room. Simmons did nothing in this match, by the way. No, like he, Simmons he, was in for like a second. Yeah, he had, he got the he got the winner's purse. Yeah, and did the and least did, work. Did nothing to do so. So he had the easiest night out of everybody tonight. Wyndham says he's gonna start kicking some tail around here. Okay, thanks. Then we go back out to JR, who is now accompanied by Jesse the Body Ventura. I guess Jesse was like, I'm not working those non-main events. Fuck that. (laughs) And JR says, what do you think about the main event? And Jesse naturally says, I like Rick Rude. Stunning Steve Austin and Rick Rude come out with Paul E. Dangerously. And man, Steve Austin looks so different. He with, With that long blonde hair and yeah. We get our... Rick Rude promo tonight. It's all you cable-watching couch potatoes. Sit back and shut up while we look at what a real man is supposed to look like. Yes. And he's got awesome airbrushed U.S. title trunks because he is the U.S. champ and Austin is the TV champ. Yes. So we've got the highest work. The working champions are out here uh, as our world champion sits at home on his couch. He's the couch potato. Maybe this was aimed at Lex Luger. Might have been. 
But they're taking on none other than Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Sting. With did, his rat tail. Did you know that this is the uh, top four in the power four all um, in one match? It's amazing how that works. <laughs> and they're ranking for tonight's show all the, the, the top four. It, it, it's all. I'm. I'm starting to think this isn't on the level, man. I'm you starting. Think it's to, rigged. I think it's rigged. Do you think wrestling's rigged? Really? I. I maybe. I'm starting to feel that way. The more we watch, Sting is in his rat tail phase. Austin starts out with Steamboat, and Jesse is now calling this match. So a historical footnote here: the first ever Jesse Ventura WCW call is on yeah. this match. Now I note here that. Austin sort of looks like Billy Gunn because he's got his little uh, yeah. Billy Gunn shorts and the long blonde hair. I mean, and he's a lot bigger than he would be later on. Yeah, he's ripped. He looks good here. Yeah, he looks like Billy Gunn. Steamer chops Austin to the ring apron. Steamboat gets a backslide for two, then tries an inside cradle for two on Austin. Steamer kicks both heels out of the ring, so they have to regroup. Rude tags in, as does Sting. Sting Atomic drops Rude a couple times, and Rude's selling of this is hilarious because he, like, spreads his arms and legs wide like you have really... Yeah. My balls will never be the same, Sting. Never again. Sting back rakes Rude like a dirty heel. Taking a page out of Hogan's book here, one of the five moves of Doom, <laughs> the back rake. And Jesse rightly calls him out on it. He's like, why would he do that dirty move with his fingernails? Sting gut-wrenches Rude. He attempts to gut-wrench Rude, but then just sort of gives up and yeah. drops Rude before trying a powerbomb or anything. The face, the all-American face Sting, uses Iron Sheik's camel clutch <laughs> on Rick Rude. And then Rick Rude is so dazed from this, Sting can get up, go tag in Steamboat, who comes in and locks it in, too. So it's we're just exchanging camel clutches now. Yes. Then Steamboat tags Sting back in and picks up the camel clutch. The world's longest camel clutch here. The fans are actually getting fired up by a camel clutch, though, because of the swapping in and out of Sting and If I was going to watch a camel clutch, I just wanted to see the uh, Iron Sheik and see the original. Sheiky baby. Yeah. Sting, though, tries to uh, drop some knees onto Rude from this position, but Rude flips over and knees Sting in the balls. So. does. Austin gets a tag. Sting chance breakout. Austin hits a back elbow to Sting for a two count. More Sting chance as Rick Rude comes back in. Rude knocks Steamer down before he can get the hot tag from Sting. Austin comes in, back suplexes Sting. Steamer finally gets the hot tag and goes chop crazy as he chops the heels down and then headbutts Rick Rude into Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steamboat tries a victory roll on Austin, but Rude breaks it up. Steamer tries an inside cradle, and Rude breaks it up again. Sting takes out Austin to the ramp, and Sting just sort of stumbles right off of the ramp. It was weird what he did. It, it looked like he didn't know what he was doing. And so he stumbles off the ramp. So Austin is alone with Steamboat in the ring. Austin goes for a fallaway slam on Steamboat. The camera should have cut away from this. Sting, so after he's dazed, walks off the ramp. He gets yes. back on the ramp, yeah. squats down, and and waits for this spot. So we see the spot being set up. So yeah. Sting sees that this fallaway slam is about to take place, goes on the top turnbuckle, dives on both men, and Austin ends up on the bottom with his shoulders to the mat, and Sting is on top of Steamboat. And the ref, referee Patrick Young, this is an illegal, it's a illegal cover. Pin. 
It's a, two men just covered one by holding him down to where he couldn't <laughs> kick out. It's a legal pin. One, two, three. Your winners, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Sting. And Jesse Riley is furious with I, the referee. I, I would be pissed off too. And now this is where Paul's prediction would come true. As Rick Rude was not very happy about the way this match ended. So what are we going to get? Rude comes in and gives a rude awakening to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yes. Sting was busy with Austin. He misses a stinger splash, so he's incapacitated for a second. Then Rude, oh, vicious, repeats the Rude Awakening neckbreaker. Devastating. He's going to break Steamboat's neck. Yeah, Steamboat's done. It's over. Hits another one. He gets Paul Heyman's belt off of him. And starts whipping him. Starts whipping Steamboat, who's paralyzed now. Like a dog. Security goons run out, try to break... To stop the heels. Oh, dude, I love Paul Heyman beating the yeah. shit out of this security guy. So the goons run in, but they get lashed by Rude in the belt. Sting in a great, great well, idea for crawl, a baby face. Crawls over. He's going to shield his downed partner. He's going to cover his buddy, his friend. He crawls over and puts his body. A human shield. Yeah, his body in in, the, in harm's way to cover up the downed and hurt Ricky Steamboat. That's right. Security guards are still piling in, and Paul Heyman decks one with his phone. It was awesome. Heyman, like, <laughs> keeping the security go- goons away. JR says, why did Rick Rude do that? And Jesse says, because it was an illegal win, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> See you at Super Brawl. The credits roll, and we are out in a an exciting finish to this match, which, yes. unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, this is not the main event of the next pay-per-view. Is, no. You know, Sting is already committed to fight Luger. So yes. uh, this match, you know, Rude and Sting would not be happening. Rick Rude would, however, have to face Ricky Steamboat uh, for the U.S. championship which Rick Rude came out victorious. But he was wrestling with a man that he broke his neck. So yes. if you want Super Brawl 2 spoilers, you can go back and listen to our review as we have covered this uh, pay-per-view uh, before. But I would recommend listening to our review and not watching it. Because, oh, no. Yeah, yeah I no. remember. It was, uh, it was rough. It was rough. Damn, it was rough. I remember that even... I. Th- Kind of vaguely remember the Rick Rude Ricky Steamboat match not even being that good. Yeah, and those two guys are two of the best. Yeah. So, well, uh, on our scale. So, what did you think of the main event, though? Oh, I, they did what they could do with what they had. It was a house show main event, yeah. basically, because it was a house show card. Except for that last, except for the Falls Count Anywhere match. Yeah. I mean, that's a a pay per view quality gimmick. Yeah. I'm not saying Van Hammer's a pay-per-view quality <laughs> opponent, but yeah, I mean we got P and News, we got Johnny B. Bad. Oh God, don't remind me. So uh, highlights of this card: love the the opening match with the Steiners was awesome. Uh, Pillman looked spectacular. Oh, Pillman and Tracy Smothers owned that tag match. Um, that's really about it. Like the six-man tag and liked the tag to end it. I kind of hate that it was two tags in the main event slots the co-main events were both i'm trying to figure out tags. why we had four fucking tag matches and only three singles bad booking that is bad because when you have more tags than you have singles you got a problem 
Well, and especially when the belts aren't even involved for That's any true. of it. I mean, you could have at least gotten... Throw the tag champs out there, something. Well, the tag champs were uh, Eaton and Arn at this time. No, wait, not three singles, four singles. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that, yeah. it was even. One, two, oh, no, there was nine matches overall. One, so. two, three, four, and a... So you had four... Four, four singles. Tags, four tags. Five tags. No, I'm not counting the six man. Oh, okay. Four tags, one six man, and three singles. Often those tag matches didn't involve many tags either. No. Because tags, just like that match at Royal Rumble last week, you know. That As a referee, you love working tag matches because there's so much more a referee can do in a tag match to add to the match. But they couldn't keep up. You did, no, this was rough, man. They dropped the ball. The refereeing, the officiating for tonight's card was a little uh, shady. Pretty, yeah, somebody was on the take. Damn it! That's all uh, I gotta say. The Johnny B. Bad match was awful. The PN News match was pretty awful. But overall, the card flew by. I mean, even yeah. the even the bad matches only took six seven minutes, I guess. So. Yeah. It's a fast watch. It's a uh, if if you're wanting to see a a non Ric Flair WCW. A very, yeah. Uh, a non Ric Flair WCW pay-per-view, then Clash of Champions 18 is one you might want to check out because as bad as it is, it does go by pretty quickly. And it still drew a 3.7 rating on TBS. It still oh, did a great number. Shit. So, yes, as you were saying about our rating scale. Oh, on our rating scale, from Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. Who's in the WCW top 10 for this who show. Is the, yes, He's El Gigante, like, Giant Gonzalez is in the all nine feet of him. Is so. I will give this one, in your honor, Johnny B. Bad. Oh, God. You know what? Just for that, I'm going to give it a Richard Morton. Wow. There you go. So. so. The rating system that does count, not like the WCW Top 10. This yeah, is a no. much more uh, well-oiled machine. Yes. So, Patrick Young, that was my pick for this week, the uh, first week of February. Where are we going next week? Well, you know what next week is, right? Valentine's Day. It is. You know what I think about when I think of Valentine's? St. Valentine's Day Massacre? I do. Really? Pro Wrestling and St. Valentine's Day Massacre from Memphis, Tennessee in the Igloo, 1999. We are going to witness none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin in a cage against Vincent Kennedy McMahon. The score will be settled. The score will be settled. I mean, the feud will be over. Yeah. There's no... This feud will not continue past that. if, If... If... Vince wins, Austin will relinquish his main event spot at WrestleMania. That's right. He won the Royal Rumble. He did. So that is, we, we have to keep Austin away from the world heavyweight title. So can Vince do it inside of a steel cage? He was stripped of his match by Commissioner Michaels. Yes. You are also going to get to see an Al Snow boss man hardcore match with uh, Road Dog doing commentary. Jeff and Owen Hart take on D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry. We get Ooh, Val Venus with the Ryan, the Ryan Shamrock storyline. Oh, yes. Val was macking on Ken's sister. Yes. So. The Corporation Corporation China and Kane will take on Triple H and X-Pac as DX takes on the Corporation. Mankind and The Rock, as this is when Mankind had won the belt in January and was the champion 
And so he's taking on The Rock. The Rock gets his mandatory rematch, of course. And then, yes, the above the title is the number one contendership for WrestleMania 15. Is it going to be Austin or McMahon? McMahon versus The Rock would be a great... Uh, I think it'd be awesome. Or Mankind. McMahon and Mankind would have headlined yeah. had this stayed together. This pay-per-view could culminate. I mean, it has it has the capabilities of really turning... Into a franchise. This could be the big five. This could yeah. be the fifth. Res- WrestleMania 15. WrestleMania 15 could change with the outcome of this pay-per-view. That's all I'm saying. I really wish Heat was on the network because we'd be treated to Billy Gunn versus Tiger Ali Singh. Oh, God. We'd also be treated to Viscera and Midian taking on Test. Oh, that was actually pretty good. But we are treated. The opening match on this card, Patrick, is Goldust taking on Blue Dust. So. Yeah. There you go. St. Valentine's Day Massacre in honor of Valentine's Day. It's going to yes. be a romantic evening for all. You it know will. what? What a better date night for you and your gal pal to sit around and watch three hours of pro wrestling. Exactly. They love it. They, they really do. do. Give the gift of in your house St. Valentine's Day Massacre this year to your girlfriend. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my closing lines, clothesline, and bingo, bingo.
Can't really say why we do what we do, but I'm a free bird and what was your excuse? Can't really say why we do what we do, but I'm a free bird and what was your excuse? Yeah.